Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to shine the spotlight on our membership program. With it, you can get up to 50% off our brands, discover dozens of new innovative outdoor startups, receive first access to new products, gain access to ambassador programs for over 50 of our startups, and receive first access to purchase demo and trade show gear at 30 to 60% off. Head to readyyeti.com slash members to sign up. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I'm sitting down with co-owner of Meyer Skis and Snowboards, Ted Einan. Uh, Ted, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, of course. Happy to uh, happy to be on with you, Josh. Awesome. So for the listener that might not be familiar with Meyer, you guys are based in Colorado. You hand make skis right down in downtown Denver. Uh, you've got an awesome bar set up so that people can come and enjoy a drink and watch people build skis and snowboards. Um, I'd love to hear uh, from your perspective what what makes Meyer stand out from other ski and snowboard uh, makers. Yeah, um, I think it's a uh, it, it it comes from a number of different angles. Um, I think it starts with um, a willingness to. Uh, want to reach out to the skier community in a way that's very open and transparent. And, you know, when we think of skiing, we think about having fun, right? I mean, most people, when you're out skiing, the group you're with and the people around you on the snow are having a blast and smiling and joking. And so it's about the fun. And so what we're trying to do here is uh, extend that fun experience uh, from the mountain and on the snow down into the actual uh, ski shop where the skis are produced, uh, uh, yeah, for the people that get out there on them and do so in a way that's environmentally friendly, eco-friendly, uh, sustainable, which is kind of, uh, an ongoing, uh, uh, process to improve upon that. But, um, we're always, we always have that on our mind and, uh, yeah, to allow people to do tours and, and see how the skis are actually handmade. Uh, a lot of people that have skied for years and years, uh, just they skied on the skis and perhaps wondered, maybe not, but uh, they actually get an opportunity to see how the skis are created and uh, have a cold libation or beer or wine uh, while doing so. And uh, so that's the idea is to kind of make a, a, a fun, immersive brand experience here. Uh, that kind of extends the the fun from the snow right down into our shop. That's, um, I think a uh, a great value and mission that you have with with Meyer. Um, I want to ask, how did you get into building skis and uh, being a part of um, the uh, wonderful ski culture in Denver, Colorado? Yes. Yeah, so, um, really, I've been skiing my whole life. Grew up skiing up in Franconia, New Hampshire. Uh, I'm a New Englander originally and moved out to Colorado in 2000 and uh, yeah just a lifelong skier and uh, so from my angle I just wanted to kind of take it to the next level and get involved in the industry. Um, 
whereas I had come from the uh, utility and software industry, wanted to do something a bit more fun, a bit more laid back, a bit less corporate, and uh, yeah, a bit more based on uh, the recreational opportunities outside, uh, and uh, managed to meet up with uh, Matt uh, Cudmore, who's uh, the founder who started Meyer Skis in his very small one-car garage in Glenwood Springs back in 2009. And uh, Matt and I got together and shared a, a passion and a vision for where to take Meyer. So we, uh, we worked on a plan to get together and, and, and get Matt out of the garage doing skis on a part-time basis and set up a factory in Glenwood Springs so that uh, he could do them on a full-time basis and we could build a, a fun ski business from there. So coming from the Northeast and moving out uh, to Denver, how did you get connected with Matt? Yes, yeah, so uh, it, it actually is kind of funny. My neighbor had a place up in Breckenridge and uh, a good friend and neighbor of mine I'd explain to him how I wanted to get involved in uh, the craft ski industry um, and uh, thought that it made the most sense to find a business that had started but was in the very early stages of it and uh, something that was also eco-friendly and sustainable and very local. And uh, it wasn't a week or so later, uh, Meyer Skis and Matt had a, a pretty large article in the Denver Post and uh, my neighbor sent it to me and said, boy, this sounds exactly like what you were talking about skiing the other day. So, yeah, that's, that's how I first learned about Matt and Meyer Skis and reached out to him. And, uh, yeah, and here we are today. It's crazy how little decisions like that make such a big impact on, uh, on your life. Um, so did you have any background building and designing or manufacturing at all before getting involved? No. No, that is definitely Matt. You know, I always say uh, Matt is the smart guy in the operation, and uh, Matt is uh, uh, the one who uh, came up with the idea of using a clear top sheet. And his his uh, brother actually worked in the Colorado State Forest Service at the time, and so his brother influenced Matt's direction in using locally harvested wood in Colorado, such as uh, the aspen and the beetle kill pine which is a real uh, sustainable uh, um, approach uh, using the locally harvested wood. So now the building, um, the designing, um, the really the, um, the foundation and, and original thought process behind what our skis look like today um, evolved originally out of uh, Matt's ideas. That's so interesting. So <clears throat> from when you joined in with, with Matt, what was the prototyping and testing process that you uh, took the skis and now snowboards um, through to develop the, the top of the line products that you guys are offering right now? Yeah, so I would say in the beginning it probably starts like a lot of garage operations where you have an idea and uh, uh, a concept and you kick it around a bit and then you actually make them. And, you know, Matt was the type that uh, we could have a discussion on one day, and then that night he decides to stay late and show up the next morning. He's like, "Let's go skiing." <laughs> <You know? laughs> he 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 goes after it, and and uh, uh, next thing you know, we're we're out on the skis, and so it's a bit of an iterative process. Um, which at this point, I think we have 
uh, a bit more structured and, and uh, 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 you know, a bit of a process to kind of take the ski from original concept to what will ultimately be our production ski. But, you know, it's a process of experience, uh, experimenting with different materials, uh, different amounts of different materials, obviously different shapes, different camber uh, profiles, um, different weights, different flex patterns. I mean, there's so many things that ultimately go into um, designing a ski and what that ski ultimately does. And, you know, I think, I think these days everyone focuses on the waste of the ski. I mean, it's just what everyone does. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's, that's 88 underfoot or that's, you know, 110 underfoot. And that's certainly a very important piece of the puzzle, but you can have the exact same waist under ski and have two entirely different skis, right? Um, you know, it's stiffness, it's the flux pattern, it's the shape. Is it camber? Is it rocker? Is it combination thereof? You know, it's a light ski, it's a heavy ski. So, uh, you know, all these factors ultimately go into the ski and, and we determine what we kind of start with what we want the ski to do um, and who the target audience is. And then we kind of back into it from there as far as, you know, all these variables that um, I just mentioned, where we think this ski needs to be to on each of those variables uh, so that we ultimately produce the ski that, that we intend to produce. And, uh, you know, we give it a, a go on the snow. We're fortunate to be... Uh, have Colorado and, and a hell of a lot of skiing in our backyard. So go give it a go with, uh, uh, you know, some of our trusted testers and our crew here and compare notes and decide which way we need to tweak the ski if it does need tweaking and do a version two. And then hopefully we're, we're dialed at that point. That's, um, you take, take us through such a great process for me. Like, like a lot of our listeners know that like me and one of my, my co-founders, Drew, we started out actually building and designing skis. So when you're talking about all of that, I'm just like, yep, yep. <laughs> it's, um, it's a lot more interesting and complicated and uh, just fascinating in the, what goes into building and designing a ski. Because like you said, the waste is like, well, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a wider ski and theoretically it's designed for deeper snow. But depending upon that side cut, the materials you use, it could could be pretty damn good on a groomer <clears throat> if you design exactly. it correctly. Um, so I, I think that's very fascinating, and a lot of people really definitely don't think about that when they're looking at a ski, especially on the East Coast. If it's wider than 95 underfoot, they're sort of just write it off as like, oh, that's a fat ski, <laughs> and um, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. So it, what would you say is something unique that no one knows about you one of your products or your business and how would you say that um, makes you different from a lot of other brands in the um, skiing and snowboarding industry because like obviously in the last decade there have been a ton of brands coming up in the ranks uh, that have really created a foothold in the ski and snowboard industry yeah um (laughs) I think it was a it was maybe a, a secret until you opened up the interview, and that is that we we have a bar attached to our factory here. Um, we do uh, we do enjoy uh, uh, drinking a beer from time to time here at Myers Skis and and having some fun, and uh, it just seemed like a natural extension um, as far as kind of 
you know, what we're about and bringing people into a place that he's right here in the city of Denver, but is a place where we make skis and we, we affectionately call it the lodge down here. And we've set up a bar that's actually made of our ski cores, which as far as we know is the first bar of its kind in the world that is made of ski cores. And behind the bar um, is a wall of glass. And behind that glass is our press room where the guys are pressing the skis. So that's kind of where all the components and, and materials come together and where the magic happens. And so people can sit there and talk to our ski tender learn about the brand, learn about the skis in general, learn about all the different models, um, and learn about the characteristics of my skis, and you know, touch and feel the materials at the bar while having a cold beer and watching the guys actually pressing the skis. And as far as we know, it's the first of its kind in the world. Um, you know, it's funny, a, a lot of ski brands, um, how should I say, they they act like there's some huge cloak of secrecy around how their skis are made. And, you know, the fact of the matter is there isn't a whole ton of, um, you know, behind the curtain magical technology that makes a good ski. It's figuring out the right materials, using the right materials in the right amounts, having a good design for a ski for what you want that ski to be. And then having people make the ski that care and that know what they're doing and then make sure you do a good job finishing the ski and tuning the ski so that it does uh, exactly what you want as soon as you pull it out of the, um, the cellophane. And, uh, you know, so what we're trying to do is create an immersive brand experience, um, not just for locals, but for everyone that goes on their ski vacation in Colorado. And we've, for instance, we've had people in here from Florida, Atlanta, D.C., New York City, Boston, all up and down the East Coast that already uh, own Meyer skis, and uh, they're on their Colorado ski trip, and we're literally 10 minutes off of I-70, and we've, we've actually had people plan their trip uh, around coming by here first, and maybe their friend picks up some skis as well, and we do tunes out of here uh, we have demos that come out of here but they just want to go on a tour break a little bread have a cold one and uh, meet the guys that made their skis and see how it's done i think that's yeah, yeah keep going yeah i just think that that's something that really doesn't exist in the industry anywhere and uh you know we're pretty stoked on it and uh have a lot of fun with it frankly i bet i mean just hearing that sounds like um, a, such a fun work environment and um, I'd love to ask sort of the dynamic that you have um, w with your crew so like you, we were talking offline um, seasonally during the winter time you guys grow to as big as t of 12 members on your team I'd love to sort of hear what that dynamic is like and how the roles are, are broken up amongst you and and your your partner Matt and sort of diving more into the culture of Meyer. Yeah, so I, I would say uh, uh, the culture of Meyer is, and and the crew that works here is right in line with our customer base, and that is people that are passionate about skiing and like to have fun on and off the slopes. 
And, uh, you know, it's, I would say it's probably a little bit of organized chaos at times uh, <laughs> when things heat up here. But uh, the idea is, you know, kind of work hard, play hard. And uh, I think um, as our team has grown and evolved, uh, I think we all share a common passion for skiing and making sure that our customer base uh, loves the skis, loves the brand, and realizes we're behind them and support them and, and going to have some fun with them and give them uh, the means to do so. So, uh, yeah, I think our crew, it, it's fun because, you know, as a smaller company, you tend to have fewer rules. Um, you know, responsibilities tend to cross over uh, between many people, and, and that's how it is here right now. And as you grow, you have to have a little bit more uh, uh, defined job responsibilities and so on and so forth. But I don't, I don't think we'll ever lose um, kind of the the fun, the passion, and do whatever it takes to make our customers happy, you know, and that's, uh, I think we all think uh, alike, and we're all of one mind as far as that goes. I think that's, um, that's so interesting. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, your growth over the years. So you guys originally were started in 2009, it's, you know, 2017, you're coming up on, you know, almost 10 years old. What what has that growth been like for you guys since you started? Yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> I'd like to say it's all been a piece of cake and we've just, you know, simply doubled in size each and every year and it's all gone <laughs> smoothly. But, you know, that's that's not the case. We've kind of had fits and starts here and there. And I, I, I think for us, it, you know, it's been about making sure quite frankly, that we don't screw it up. You know, we believe we have something very special and we put our skis up against any brand in the world, regardless of size. Um, so what we've kind of chosen to do is grow this business the old fashioned way. You know, one person at a time, one pair of skis at a time, and make sure that what we put out there is quality product. Does it mean that every single ski you put out there has been perfect? No. But it means that, you know, you make whatever, take whatever corrective action is required to, you know, strive to make the perfect ski that, that you know, goes out on the snow. And you know, every year when we finish the season, we look at, um, you know, the, the bad, the ugly, and we, you know, try and figure out what will make us a better company, what will harden the ski, what will... Uh, what models, you know, hit the mark? What models didn't hit the mark? Um, we even do a, uh, uh, which we just started doing this past year, as we've grown, it, it gets harder to kind of aggregate all the informal feedback you get over the course of the year through all your employees. So we actually do uh, a survey um, out to all of our customers that we have uh, uh, contact information for. So uh, structured survey that goes out twice a year um, that goes all the way from, you know, how was uh, how was your experience in placing the order? How was delivery? How did the skis arrive? How did they ski? Most importantly, you know, was there good value there? And on and on in kind of a structured way so that we can, you know, take that formal structured feedback to kind of guide us uh, forward. 
And, uh, you know, we think, again, that close connection to the customer base is ultimately what's going to drive Meyer skis and make us successful or not. Um, so, so, yeah, the growth has been, we haven't tried to grow just for growth's sake. You know, we've tried to determine where we're at um, in, our, in our business life and kind of make the call on how much we want to grow or push. And I'll, I'll give you an example. We were out in Glenwood Springs um, two years ago. That's where we started. And we knew we were going to move to Denver, um, but we wanted to wait until we found the right spot for us that was right near downtown and highly visible right on the highway. So it'd be easy access for people uh, to find us and get to us. And we knew there was a fair bit of risk in that move. So we actually downshifted on growth and on sales uh, as far as trying to add our partner retail shops and demo shops. And uh, we overbuilt uh, capacity uh, at the tail end of that year so that we were able to bring some product into our new location. And, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad we did all that because, you know, the build out was tough. Denver is a busy town and tradesmen are busy. And yeah, it took every, uh, <laughs> we, we needed every minute of every day to kind of make sure that we fulfilled all our orders in a timely fashion and to make all of our, uh, our shops uh, whole as we committed to. And, and uh, so that's an example where, you know, we decided to kind of downshift for a year, make sure we got settled here in Denver. And, you know, now we're on the other side of the equation and we're uh, shifting into a higher gear. Did you ever have any mentors along this journey with, with Meyer Skis? With Meyer Skis, I don't think so. Uh, really, it's probably my business life prior to that. Um, uh, Meyer skis, it's just kind of been jumping into a raging river that you had no idea what the white water was going to be like around the next bend. Um, you know, and, and I'd say who probably uh, inspires us at Meyer, um, both myself personally and I know our employees, is, is our customer base. I know that's not, that's not being a mentor, but you know, when you're having a tough day, when materials didn't show up or, you know, something happened that makes it a tougher day than usual, uh, next thing you know, you've got someone that walks in the door or you're at an on-the-snow demo and the customer just has this big shitty grin from ear to ear saying how they've fallen in love with these skis and some slope that they've been skiing it for 10 years and could never go nonstop from top to bottom or some slope that had more pitch uh, than they were ever able to handle, that they were able to now do it with confidence. You know, that's kind of what gives you that kick in the ass to, to keep things going and gets you fired up to take on, you know, the next day. That's why we do it at the end of the day is to make a difference, right? It's um, having satisfied customers, is uh, it's such a great feeling and people believing in what you're doing. And then you know that, like, all right, yeah, what we're doing is working, creating quality product. It's... Um, it's definitely a big makes a big difference. No doubt, no doubt. It definitely uh, reinforces kind of your vision and your mission um, when your customers are saying, "Hey, this is pretty amazing. This is awesome. You're doing the right thing. Keep it up." You know. Yeah, of course. So you've mentioned this a, a few times. Um, I wanted to ask you what Meyer skis 
commitment is to uh, sustainably building and producing your skis and snowboards? Yeah, so, you know, I, I guess I'll preface this by saying we're not willing to sacrifice performance purely for some eco-friendly material. Um, we're constantly on the hunt to find more locally sourced materials, eco-friendly materials, um, and try and produce skis in a more sustainable fashion. And, uh, you know, I think that while we do that, we still have a long ways to go, but I'll, I'll give you some examples. Um, you know, we could buy wood um, for less money uh, from Southeast Asia, um, such as bamboo, which often is highly processed when it goes into skis. Uh, obviously, the carbon footprint to get it from Southeast Asia to here is is significant, and uh, bamboo takes a uh, an enormous amount of water to grow. And I don't think a lot of people realize how processed the bamboo is uh, in most instances when it goes into a ski core. At Meyer, you know, part of sustainability is finding uh, materials that are sourced close to where production takes place. So, uh, using the locally harvested aspen uh, and the beetle kill pine um, makes for a very small carbon footprint and also plays a small role in making for healthier forests. For anyone that lives in Colorado or the Rockies, um, that has an aspen or aspen trees or a grove in, in their yard knows that if you try and cut an aspen down or even if it dies by itself naturally you get like six to eight shoots um, off of the root system uh, where you get you know six to eight new trees that start to grow um, and then for the pine beetle kill because we um, suppress forest fires here because so many people have moved into the mountains so whenever there's a fire you know the they'll make the call on whether they let that fire run um, to have more of a natural uh, regeneration of growth or whether they suppress the fire because life and property are at risk so many forest fires here have been suppressed unlike the old days and therefore the forests have overgrown and become very unhealthy in many instances and then the forest is weakened and epidemics such as the pine beetle are uh, able to take root so to speak and devastate the forest so anyone that skied out here many of the areas if you look up at the mountainsides the trees are completely dead and it's because uh, they've been overpopulated and uh, uh, they just simply become an unhealthy forest. So while we only use a small amount of, uh, of beetle kill pine in our ski cores, I think it at least brings an awareness um, to uh, the, the, the health of the forest and kind of the, the, the plight out here, which is, is definitely a big problem. And uh, that harvesting the forest in a, in a responsible and measured fashion can indeed actually make the trees and the forests healthier. So that's one example. Some other examples are we don't cover up our, our skis with ink up and down. And we like to show off the natural beauty of the wood. We do use ink and we do have graphics on the skis, 
but um, we use a lot less ink than what most companies would use. Uh, we also use the most environmentally uh, friendly uh, epoxy available. Um, epoxy inherently is not overly environmentally friendly, but uh, we have a choice there and we choose to use uh, a brand that is known for making uh, the most eco-friendly epoxy in the world. So those are, those are examples of things that we do. Uh, and then just little things like when we cut out our wood cores, um, uh, the wood that, uh, the scraps of wood that uh, remain, we use for kindling. Uh, we're, we keep a, an open bin here um, in kind of the, uh, the common community area in front of our space where people can use that for kindling wood. And then the end pieces, uh, we, uh, we're going to start making coasters with. So coasters that are made out of Colorado harvested aspen and beetle kill pine um, that are actually part of our wood cores. So those are all examples, and I, I think we can do much better yet. So that's part of our ongoing internal dialogue is what can we do better at? And uh, we keep working at it, and we keep exploring new materials to use as long as uh, performance uh, doesn't suffer. Um, we'll take a long, hard look at it. I think uh, going through that entire process is um, it's very interesting from one aspect because it goes to show how many different ways you can really um, take sustainability seriously. And uh, I think um, it'll definitely help anyone who's listening who's considering starting a manufacturing business and really try and take that into consideration, figure out different ways that they can source different things. Um, I wanted to ask you, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about st starting and building Meyer skis? Ooh, wow. Where to begin? Um, you know, I think, I think it starts with this kind of, you know, romantic idea, notion of we're making skis, you know, using locally harvested wood. We're doing it in a way that's unique and different by using a clear top sheet to show off the natural beauty of the wood and the workmanship. But soon it becomes, oh, that's right. Um, you actually have to make a uh, viable and sustainable business out of this where, where uh, hopefully in the end there'll be more money coming in than going out. Um, otherwise it won't last too long. And, you know, I think that that's, that's been problematic for a lot of small um, ski companies that started in the garage where the math works well because in the garage someone has a full-time job they're not paying rent they're not paying employees so it's it's just kind of a fun sideline but when you try and then move that um, uh, into higher volume and truly competing in the marketplace with brands that have been around forever um, you know large established brands largely based in Europe. Of course, there's K2 based here in, in the United States, although they, you know, make their skis uh, overseas, and many brands do. Um, and you want to be true to where the roots of Meyer skis started in that we want to make things locally. We want it made in the USA. We want to use local materials as much as possible. But we also want to produce a ski that's going to compete with these big brands. How do you do that? Because um, 
having that vision to do so, but then being able to do it successfully are, are two different things. And uh, uh, something we've worked really hard on is a very unique business model um, that really exploits the weakness of producing overseas um, in either uh, China or Eastern Europe and producing right through the season here and finding a model that um, allows us to sell direct to our customer base but at the same time in doing so doing it in a way that makes our partner ski and demo shops um, whole and uh, it's uh, I think it's very unique and uh, it's pretty complicated and as far as we know it's really the the first ski uh, brand and manufacturer that's taking this approach um, but it's 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 been fun trying to again trying to evolve the business and try and find a formula that works for the customer the consumer works for us as a business and works for our business partners Building a business is a challenging work, especially when it comes to manufacturing. Um, all the people that I've had the pleasure to interview on the podcast, I, I feel a majority of the ones that, it, all of them have some sort of product that you manufacture. And having run um, an online business, I'm just sort of like, wow, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine adding that extra layer to uh, making a business successful and working all of the margins out. Um, so I, I can appreciate and, um, I give you kudos <laughs> for all of the hard work and making it happen. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's still a work in progress. So, uh, you know, we're, we definitely aren't exactly, uh, doing a victory lap here. It's everyone's kind of heads down trying to, trying to stay at it, but it's, it, it has been fun trying to figure out what's working, what isn't working. And, uh, you know, uh, having a lot of uh, people weigh in, including our uh, our retail partner ski shops, um, on what works for them and what doesn't work for them, and finding a way to uh, to make them happy, and uh, you know, in a way that really accentuates the strengths of Meyer Skis, building, you know, producing the skis ourselves here uh, right through the season uh, versus a company that needs to know the quantity uh, of the specific model and the specific lengths of a ski by like March um, to place an order. And then the person on the receiving end of it, hoping they pick the right models and the right lengths. You know, we do a lot more kind of manufacturing on the fly uh, where someone gets out on a demo ski and falls in love with it that shop doesn't have it, we can have that ski there within 48 hours in most cases. Oh, that's really interesting. Like, yeah, that's from my time working at a ski shop, it's always come inventory time, just making that guess and hoping at the end of the season you don't have too much left over. Um, so I think that's a really interesting value proposition that you guys definitely offer to your, your local shops. What? Yeah. It yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, no I think it's I, it's definitely different. Um, and uh, we, we, we haven't seen anyone else that's really offering that. And, you know, what's a shame is they have to make that guess. And then 
at the end of the season when they have a wall full of skis that didn't sell, what do they do? They mark them down heavily. Right. And that doesn't do anyone any good. And then if they carry over to the next season, they mark them down yet again. Um, so, you know, and, and there's a lot of value that goes into a great ski. So let's try and keep that, you know, value there for the customer, for the retailer, and for the brand. What would you say is one of your greatest fears in regards to Meyer skis, and how do you manage it? Oh, well, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I don't know that we necessarily, you know, think of what our biggest, greatest fear is. Um, I think we we look for those challenges and those obstacles, and try and put our heads together to figure out a way. Um, to resolve or, or remove that obstacle and challenge, um, you know, I I don't lay awake at night um, fearful that the snow is going to disappear tomorrow. But that's definitely a challenge in the industry. That you know, it's funny some some places have you know pretty consistently great snow and and others not so much. And the bottom line is more skis are sold uh, in. Uh, a geography that had great snow and a great season. So, you know, having to diversify and have skis going to different parts of North America and different parts of the world helps mitigate that risk. Um, but for example, you know, if you're, uh, if you're a ski shop in, in California or somewhere where you have, you know, two or maybe three consecutive seasons with little or no snow, that's just not good for anybody. Um, so, you know, that's not something we can fix. And it's not something that we lay awake at night um, fearful of. But, uh, you know, trying to, again, be more diversified from a geographic standpoint as to where our skis are is, is important to us. Definitely. I totally understand that. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you guys have made in building Meyer? Oh, we haven't made any mistakes here. <laughs> um, wow, biggest mistakes. I don't know. It's probably a long list here. Uh, not sure we have time for that. Um, you know, I, I think getting on top of trying to get ahead of the curve schedule-wise, you know, it, it's, it's been a challenge as a small growing business it's trying to do things uniquely and approach everything, whether it's the skis, the design, our production process, our hiring, our, our physical um, uh, uh, facility here. You know, we decided, oh, by the way, let's, let's add a bar on and let's do tours. And, uh, you know, to try and get on top of this so that we're ahead of the curve schedule-wise has been a challenge. Um, to be disciplined enough to, you know, when something, we know something's going to come up three months from now, to be working on it now instead of one week from, <laughs> from that time frame. Um, I think we, we finally reached a point where we now have a better opportunity to do that. Um, but for instance, last year when you're wrapping up a facility and you're moving everything into a new facility um, that, you know, has no walls up and has no workstations and so on and so forth. It, it's, 
it, it, it becomes about, you know, survival for the moment in the week and the month rather than, you know, looking ahead to, you know, what has to be resolved three months from now. So I think, I think, you know, time frame wise, scheduling wise, planning in advance, we're finally in a position where we're settled here in Denver, have an amazing facility that's been laid out exactly as we want it, truly efficient, um, and done it in such a way that we can grow significantly in this space um, so that we can hopefully get ahead of the curve on the planning front and, uh, yeah, finally get in front of things a bit more. Um, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business in the outdoor sport world or even just a business in general? Whew. Wow, that's a tough one too. Uh, <laughs> we make, try. Make sh- yeah, make sure that you, you're, you're doing something that is unique and different. You know, um, I, I think that, that you know something about and that you're passionate about um, but make sure it's not something that um, everyone else is already doing. And while we're making skis, we believe we're making them in a way that is truly unique. And we believe we're offering uh, some of the best value in the industry. And we believe we're offering uh, an experience and a goal of having fun to the consumer and our customer base that... Um, no one else has available to them. Uh, so, you know, starting with something that's that's truly unique in the marketplace, and then think through, you know, the business plan, and you know, you got to get a, you got to, you got to crack open a spreadsheet and plug some realistic numbers in there. And it it probably depends on what the business is, but make sure that you've got enough resources. Um, and wherewithal to see it through to uh, where you need it to be and where it's uh, in the black and cash flow positive. I, I think a lot of people with great ideas that are creative um, could often use someone that's you know better on the financial side, better with the numbers side, and, and I think you got to kind of mix and blend the two together to make sure that you have a, you know, a realistic, business proposition because, you know, the, the romantic side of starting a business can wear off pretty quickly um, when you're starting to look around and figure out how you're going to make the math work and truly make a sustainable business. I think that is a, such great advice. I wanted to um, also ask, wh- where do you see Meyer going in the future? Obviously, you guys have made a lot of big changes in the last year moving to Denver. Um, I wanted to ask where you see Meyer going in the next year, five years, and even 10 years if you've thought about it. Yeah, so, you know, I think in the, in the short term, uh, the goal is to um, capitalize and leverage the space that we've built out here in Denver. Um, and, you know, that's still evolving, still a bit of a work in progress. We are hosting uh, many events here. Uh, we plan on formalizing happy hour tours. Um, so certain times a day, because we can't just take people through 
uh, on a whim all the time when our guys are full on working. It's just too much, too much action and chaos in, in the back. Um, but at the same time, people can hang out in the bar and have a beer and, and really watch the chaos taking place uh, firsthand. Um, but trying to figure out how to how to leverage um, the space um, and uh, how to access, um, create, continue to create that access to the market, both here locally in Denver, Colorado, but then for everyone that comes out on their ski vacation um, that is uh, traveling down I-70 from the airport, that's literally uh, just 10 minutes down the road to our space. Um, so that's kind of the short term. And, and I think the long term, uh, I mean, we've, we've always had a goal to try and be the largest U.S. manufacturer of skis. And by that, I mean where we are actually producing the skis ourselves rather than outsourcing it to a contract manufacturer that's either here in the U.S. or perhaps outside the U.S. and in uh, Southeast Asia or maybe Eastern uh, Europe. And, and, you know, and I think that that's important that when you're dropping whatever, 500, 1,000, 1,500 dollars on skis, depending on which brand you're buying from, to know where your skis are made. Um, it might not matter for uh, uh, something small that you're, you're wearing, but when you're passionate about skiing, um, uh, I think a lot of people often mistakenly purchase a product that uh, a US-based brand um, from a U.S.-based brand where they thought they actually made made the skis, but uh, as it turns out, they may be made in China or by someone else altogether. And so, yeah, I think continuing to spread that word of knowing where your skis are made. Um, uh, and, you know, not everyone cares about that, but I think a lot of people do care about that. And those are the folks that, you know, I think we appeal to. Definitely, definitely. So what would you say is the best part about running Meyer skis? Uh, wow. It's probably, uh, it's probably just seeing the vision, um, you know, kind of evolve, uh, over time with, uh, the drivers being our, our customer base and our employees and kind of seeing where it takes us. I mean, ultimately, you know, again, wanting to be the largest producer, largest ski brand that actually produces the skis themselves here in the United States and, and likely North America, you know, to achieve that goal, you, you need, you need the customer base. Um, you need passion. Um, you need, uh, an amazing, you know, crew that, that works here at Meyer. Uh, you need innovation and, and so to just kind of try and <laughs> as best you can bring all these pieces together and listen to the consumer base and, listen to your partners, uh, business partners, and listen to your employees and try to, you know, get the thing <laughs> pointed in the right direction um, that achieves that, that goal that you're striving for and, and having fun while doing it. Um, you know, every minute of every day, uh, admittedly, is not always a blast. Um, but I'd like to think that the, you know, the greater percentage of each and every day and each week uh, for all of us here at Meyer is more fun than not. And it has to be because that's the only way we can really 
you know, transfer that energy and that fun uh, to our customer base is by feeling it ourselves. So that's why at the end of the day, you know, we might have a beer or two, chat about things and uh, spitball new ideas for tomorrow. And that's kind of what we do here. I, I think it's uh, pretty incredible what you guys are building. And um, I want to shed some light on the fact that we're going to be doing a, a giveaway with you guys. If uh, anyone who's listening is listening between April 25th and May 9th, you can head over to com and enter to win a, a pair of skis or snowboard. Um, we're also pairing it with Adventure Mat. So you can head over to com and enter for your chance to win. But uh, with that, Ted, I really I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me and share your story. It was a blast getting to know you and getting to know the story of Meyer and where you guys are going into the future. And I wanted to ask that if any of our listeners wanted to keep tabs on what you guys are doing and follow along with your progress, where is the best place for them to do that? Yeah, well, um, you can just check us out at uh, MeyerSkis.com, and there's about 100 ways to spell Meyer, but we spell it M-E-I-E-R, Skis.com. And, uh, of course, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We have very active feeds that are uh, full of fun. So, uh, And if you're in Denver, come down and have a beer on me. Definitely, and uh, we'll... we'll have all those links in the show notes so anyone who wants to uh, follow you guys along, they can do that. But, uh, Ted, it was a real blast uh, getting to know you and uh, Myron. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, likewise, Josh. Thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, Ready Any Podcast listeners. If you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Red Yeti Podcast. I'll catch you next week.